0: FIS Castaway, the podcast keeping you in the know about the shipping and commodity world. To keep up to date, sign up to our FIS Live app at www.fis-live.com or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Hello, welcome back to Castaway, FIS's Freight and Commodity Podcast. It is Wednesday the 10th of March today and I am joined by Tom and Kerry again. Hello guys. Hi guys. Hi guys. So why don't we go over a little review of the news of the week, go through the, where the markets are settling, and then into some more in-depth analysis of why the markets have done what they've done in their quick update, uh, which is going to be this weekend. But obviously, if anyone wants to look at some other markets in more depth, we have obviously had uh, John B, the CEO of FIS on the podcast recently, and also a Cobalt special the week before that. So do check those out if you haven't already. So why don't we look at what's happened in the news? So obviously everyone is looking at the U.S. They have agreed a $1.9 trillion stimulus package, which will boost the world economy. Uh, it is estimated it will be around about a one percentage point to global economic growth in 2021. And that's according to Lawrence Boone, the uh, OECD's chief economist. The U.S. has also granted temporary protected status to Venezuelan migrants. China's economic plan has been criticised for coming short on climate goals uh, in its effort to reach peak emissions by 2030. The Bank of Japan's biggest review of its monetary policy in almost five years concluded that it will maintain its monetary easing policy. Uh, Russia is looking to produce its Sputnik five vaccine in Italy as demand spikes. And the US has reached a deal with South Korea to share the cost of American troops based in the country. Uh, let's look at the market settlements and we'll start off with Kerry, what are we looking on the freight?
1: Yeah, well, it's been another roller coaster week, Chris. Uh, the Cape size, uh, remarkably, uh, 16170 That's up 33%, or $4,018 week on week. Um, the Panamax 4TC, not quite as exciting, but still moving fairly quickly, $18,809 today. That was up $1,246, or 7.1%.
0: And talking of roller coasters, the same is true on oil. I mean, it's been a long time coming with the the open meeting, which we'll discuss a little bit later, but it is a bit like a novel written by a madman. It's all over the place uh, since the meeting. Uh, Brent up 6.5% week on week, Tuesday 2nd versus Tuesday the 9th, uh, ending 67.59 yesterday afternoon. Uh, Rock 3.5% percent high sulfur fuel oil up 7.5% to 3.75.50, closing in on that 400 mark. Sing 380 is almost there as well, 387.50, up 7%. Rot Rot.5% up nearly 5% at 480.20, closing yesterday, and the Sing 0.5 over 500. 501.95, up 4.2%. The high fives have come off, though. Uh, 105 closing the Rot high five, down 4.6%, and the Sing high five down basically 5% at 114. Tom, I know what we're seeing.
2: Uh, some big moves in iron ore as well this week. So the high grade 65% uh, was trading at 198.8 uh, last week and was down at 189.3 yesterday, so down 4.77% on the 62% uh, was 175.55 last Tuesday and down to 163.1 yesterday, down 7.09%.
0: So a serious uh, roller coaster week for all our main shipping products this week. So, Kerry, why don't we start with you and go into some of the reasonings behind what we're seeing on the on these large moves again this uh, past week?
1: Yeah, absolutely. As I said, the roller coaster certainly continues. Um, the big ships, the cape sizes, had uh, another exciting week. We found that the floor at the start of March, right at the beginning of March, on the first, and overnight into the second. Uh, it's been more or less a week of straight gains from there uh, for the big ships with strong numbers emerging on the physical market, especially in the last couple of days. Uh, the volumes in the Pacific have been very healthy indeed, with rates on the C5 West Aussie-China route pushing through uh, $9.30 yesterday morning up to rumored mid-nines by yesterday afternoon, helping out sentiments. Out in Brazil, we had come into the last week there appeared to be a good supply of ballisters so it was still surprising to see rates jump and indeed this week we see a very highly positional market with rates being done yesterday in the mid 17s for end march dates uh, and split dates but up to $20 for example for mid april dates and even a rumor of $21 going through for late april loading out of brazil suggesting the market believe when it's about to get much tighter uh, much like last week, the optimism on paper does seem to be driving the entire market here. You know, a lot of people are arguing this is the tail wagging the dog. With April Cape 5TC moving close to 21,250 yesterday from under 17,000 a week ago and trading a little calmer this morning at 20,875 value, according to the FIS live app. Uh, Q2 has moved from 18,250 a week ago to trade 21,250 this morning. Um, the Panamax, as it has to be said, are no longer in the driving seat here. Uh, while they also made some gains during the week, the index has been flattening out. And in the Pacific, while the activity remains very healthy on the physical market, uh, with the markets for a round voyage are really in line with the index at the moment. Those bid offer spreads. Uh, the Atlantic is a little harder to read. There is less new inquiry coming out of the North Atlantic uh, rounds. Uh, and East Coast South America and North Coast South America, both a lot quieter in the last couple of days, having had a very busy week last week uh, with quite a few cargoes covered. So the paper was taking a bit of a breather yesterday and it slipped a bit. The April 4TC average uh, contract slipping down close to, uh, to close at 20275 yesterday, trading sharply lower again today at $19,075 value. Well, the Q2 is trading at 18 to 50, uh, both about flat on the close of a week ago. So effectively, they've just given back the billions of the past week.
0: And, and Kerry, we obviously had a couple of weeks ago record volumes trading on the driver phase. And this volatility that we're seeing is, is pretty incredible. Um, do you think that's basically down to one that people are actually a bit more positive that things are going to be OK in terms of the economic things? coming back online, but also tentative and a bit unsure when that's going to happen.
1: Yeah, Uh, I think that's exactly what it is. Uh, The record volumes that you're speaking about the other week um, were were quite extraordinary. I mean, I think that was a unique circumstance, not unique, but unusual circumstance, and that it represented a short squeeze, really, um, at the time. And so those record volumes were largely driven by people who had... uh, Let's say, given up most hope for the market and and put on sort of uh, fairly fairly large short positions having to to race to unwind them, which drove the market on that extraordinary movement of uh, of about three weeks ago. Um, the volumes are very, very healthy right now, but uh, you know we're talking not quite as much, probably one half to two thirds of the volumes we were seeing um, at that time. So you know, I think um what this represents now, is exactly what you say, changing expectations of the market, people trying to guess when this market will rebound, and generally a view with the U.S. stimulus passing, uh, with Brazil, uh, especially Vale setting sort of fairly healthy targets for this year in terms of their exports, whether they can meet those or not, separate question. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, China setting a stable growth target again, I think uh, I think it largely represents a view that uh, that there's – perhaps less downside at the moment for the Cape market um, than people felt uh, a month ago. Uh, but as you said, timing is everything. Pretty interesting on
2: that um, Cape market last week though, Kerry, on the physical side, there were rumours, and I think verified rumours, that capes were being fixed for grain roots instead of paramaxes because they were cheap, so much cheaper over the course yeah, of time. Which month. is extraordinary. so uh, your cereal in the next few months.
1: <laughs> exactly that's that is is just highly highly unusual i i had heard that um uh, um i suspect you know with the uh with the rates catching up now that's uh that's going to disappear fairly quickly but i would love to see uh, a cape sort of you know parked up at santos loading <laughs> 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 you know just the side of it but yeah
0: and so that it it comes into our markets um I've experienced this in terms of people personally in their lives, that there's a kind of uh, COVID myopia that they can't quite see past the the problems. And I know that we had a problem for a lot of people, which it was part of the reasoning for the, the growth in rates and the, and the spark of volatility that we happened on the freight market was that people were caught short or, and we had that short squeeze. Yeah. Could we have, be setting ourselves up for another one? Because no one knows how you know, the world shipping market, let alone world economy, comes out of a pandemic like this, could we set ourselves up
1: for another situation? Volatility is the word. Volatility, volatility, volatility. That's what we're going to see this year. Um, Precisely because of what you say, Chris. Um, I think people are going to continue to guess and in some cases guess wrong um, because none of us know what the exact timing will be. I mean, on top of that, it's important to remember that the freight market does not always react negatively to COVID news uh, that, that sounds negative in the market. For example, one of the reasons that Cape rates were driven up so extremely in October was difficulties with crew changeover uh, caused by COVID delays, caused by uh, an inability to get crew tested in time, and to, uh, uh, which caused heavy, heavy congestion in the ports. Um, so, you know, it's, it's important to remember that the, the market doesn't correlate directly to negative economic news coming from COVID. There's a lot of factors at play here. Chris?
0: Cool. That's something we will watch under the microscope yeah. on this podcast going forward. But obviously moving on to our other rollercoaster of the week in terms of oil and products, we have been looking forward to this meeting and people have known about the OPIC meeting coming up. But it still seems that people were taking a little bit of surprise about what was agreed. So they have said that they will roll over the current production into April for a majority of the nat- nations, apart from uh, Russia and Kazakhstan. Uh, Saudis are continuing their voluntary one million barrel a day cut into April. Um, so they will obviously be putting that phased voluntary uh, cut back in later on to the year. So this is obviously taking the market a little bit by surprise. It was expected that they would probably take a little bit more production there. But they are again leading the OPEC forward and has, has seen the spike again in price. We pushed above 68 on Brent uh, on, the, on the news of, of OPEC rolling those over and we have moved back since then, both in a lot of profit taking in the market. Uh, so any patient traders out there who've been sitting on their hands for however many months have definitely been rewarded for their their patience on this market. Uh, we've also seen a very strong dollar, stronger since uh, November, um, late last week mm-hmm. we saw, which has also capped gains on, on oil, but it's still been very strong uh, move up, the strongest we've seen for, for a while. We also had the attack in Saudi Arabia, which pushed oil up. There was another factor behind that, Um, the attack from the the Houthi rebels uh, in an area which is obviously very sensitive for oil production, um, those straits, uh, and that area, a large amount of shipping, world shipping goes through there. So rightly, risk-averse people are are not happy with that going on and has been reflected again in the the price. (laughs) Yeah. We have heard also that Iran has been covertly supplying China with 306,000 barrels per day of oil for the last 14 months. I'm (laughs) sure that will make them very popular with the US uh, and others. But um, again, I know Iran is signaling that he wants to have normal relations established, criticizing the sanctions. They obviously are not allowed to selling their oil at the moment. But if those things do progress forward, they they rejected talks directly with the US about a new deal. This is uh, a deal previously agreed with uh, the EU with big backers as well as Biden as vice president before the Trump administration the 2015 agreement. So uh, it's definitely something which they probably would want to do, but it seems that there needs to be more groundwork prepared there before any sort of agreement comes in to allow them to come back into the market. Because that would definitely change the dynamics or of everything with Iran's oil coming in uh, again, a ridiculous statistic we put in I think a couple of years ago. We were looking about that they had oil storage then around about 180,000 football pitches. So some a crazy amount one. of storage that they have there. Um, talking of storage, uh, the US sold uh, 10 million barrels from its strategic petroleum reserve. This was after last year in March when with the very low price they did buy about 77 million barrels of crude oil for their strategic petroleum reserve. So again, they're just feeding that back into the market after they did a great purchase there. If you look at situation now, hindsight, they look like genius. Uh, And the last bit that we had a bit on the environmental news is uh, Russia's Gazprom uh, has boasted its first carbon neutral LNG delivery into Europe uh, in the last week. So definitely something that we are going to be Keeping uh, an eye on in terms of that and the market as well. We talked about China and their criticism for things that are happening on the environmental front to, to reach peak oil, to reduce emissions, but that's true for, for the rest of the world as well. So, those are things we're seeing in oil. And quickly moving on to our last roller coaster of the week, Tom on iron ore.
2: Yeah. Um, so, as you can see from the index numbers we quoted earlier, um, fairly major shift down in the iron ore price over the last seven days. Um, what's been driving this? It's confuddled a few people, but I think um, the forecasted GDP figures for China coming out of the MPC, the Party Conference up in China, uh, were scheduled for six percent, uh, or stated to be six percent for 2021, uh, which was quite significantly lower than the sort of 8.9% market consensus going into the uh, conference. So. I think that lower growth level uh, and China being weaned off stimulus has been feeding the economy for the last year or so, plus that slightly stronger dollar that you've been talking about, Chris, uh, are translating into some sort of fairly widespread fear uh, across the industry that Chinese demand may not be as strong throughout the remainder of 2021 as people were maybe hoping. I think that fear uh, has been reflected in the um, Chinese equities market as well. Uh, Over the last few days, uh, week, Um, and and that's been there's been a real route there as well, albeit recovered slightly yesterday. Um, So I think there's a bit of uh, fear or or sort of a risk off attitude across the Chinese economy in general right now. that said i think given the vaccine-led recovery that's starting to to take off across the sort of the developed world certainly um it's hard to make a full bear case against the iron ore price but it does appear that there's sort of more downside risk uh from current levels starting to sort of appear um we talked last week uh, quite extensively about what uh or, or the, the possibility that The Chinese uh, were going to announce some fairly wide-reaching emissions targets and environmental targets. Um, But to be honest, as Chris mentioned in the introduction, that's not been as forthcoming as people had hoped or anticipated. Um, Tangshan, the major steel uh, mill region, is bringing in several rounds of output cuts due to heavy pollution, but there's still no broad consensus and longer term policy being announced at this point so there's still a lot of uncertainty weighing on the industry uh, at the moment which is definitely feeding into a bit of fear uh, on a sentiment level i would suggest i think it was interesting as well that the chairman of CISA, um, suggested that china starts to look further afield to find new imports of crude steel um, to sort of supplement their demand whilst uh, not increasing their emissions targets. So that could be a fairly major change in the sort of dynamics of the steel industry if that does take off in any sort of meaningful capacity. Um, and something I just wanted to draw a reference to this week, um, one of our sort of cross commodity brokers in London, Alison Lamont, um, has sort of made a or just drawn, drawn attention to um, a, an interesting point on the 65-62 spread. Um, so on that emissions point, one of the methods that the Chinese steel industry has historically used to maintain output whilst reducing pollution, particularly over the winter months, has been to import higher grade ores, such as that 65% that you quite often hear us talking yeah. about in 62%. Um, and at present, the May futures price, or yesterday, the May futures price on the 65% iron ore was 14.5% higher than the 62% um, which given a uh, premium in January 2019, when China was under some fairly major pollution curbs, uh, was only, it was at 30%. It's, it's definitely worth keeping an eye on that contract. So a 30% premium in today's prices would, would represent a $54 spread. And at the moment, that spread is currently trading at a $22.61 premium. So worth keeping an eye on that and seeing whether the market does start to trade around that and incidentally uh, prompt cape size C3 to so that Brazil-China route dapped um, up to fix much much higher yesterday which does lend some credence to a significant move on that Brazilian 65 grade iron yeah,
1: ore I, I was about to say that definitely ties in together and it's a good point Tom as well that the, the 65% iron ore is probably the closest thing you get right now in the iron ore market to uh, to an ESG play and yeah. so worth watching that spread from that perspective always
2: yeah for sure. Maybe we
0: could coin a new nickname for it—the ferrous pollution spread.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: It's uh, the <for> green spread.
1: <laughs>
0: but there we are. So again, a nice little review, quick review of our main shipping markets that we've had this morning. Uh, again, do look at some of the other podcasts and listen to those if you have anything. We've had a, a flurry of specials recently, and we hope to bring you more specials. Looking forward to an um, emissions one soon, as well as one on
1: air yes indeed we're doing uh on the 24th in fact uh, a special on air passenger index uh and uh the potentiality for futures trading there so tune in for that
0: there you go hedge your holidays um but we are again coming to the end of our, our week for this um thank you to tom and kerry as ever for your expertise on those markets uh, and to everyone listening to join us again next week